the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's not our job to determine the response of other people. It's, it's our job to live as if we've been chained. And that's the first thing I want you to get today. We must live our lives as if we've lost our marbles. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. That's the question we've been asking these last several weeks. Why bother with the church? Do me a favor, take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll find our scripture reading today. As I think back, this may be the first passage that I ever opened in God's Word to teach through what it meant to be a follower of Christ, and to embody the life of the church. So if you really want to get this today, you need to take your pen, your pencil, your lipstick, mascara, your Crayola, whatever you can find, and you want to jot down some of these nuggets of spiritual gold and keep your Bible open so that you can follow along right there with me. As we think about that question, why bother, we are reminded of this reality Some people don't. Some people never engage in this experience that we're enjoying together today. The church gathered. It was Adrian Rogers who said, there are three times most everybody needs the church. That's when they're hatched, when they're matched, and when they're dispatched. A lot of people attend church around the birth, uh, the birth of their children, around a marriage, their marriage ceremony, and often funerals take place in churches. But we're coming together today to see what are those other times that we need this important institution, this organization, this organism, this living body described in Scripture as the bride of Christ, the family of God, the body of Christ, the church. In Acts chapter 2, in the first verse, we see the context for what is going to be the birth of the church. Look in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, we have been three weeks in this journey here in the book of Acts. I have a question for you. Why? Why were they all together in one place. And who were the all that were together? Somebody shout it out. They were the disciples, the Christ followers. Why were they together? 
obedience. That's perfect. If you could sum it up in one word, it would be that word, obedience. Jesus had told them, wait. Then he ascended into heaven. As he was ascended into heaven, the disciples stood there like this. And so an angel appeared, and the angel said, hey, why are you gazing into heaven? He's gone. Get busy doing what he said to do. And so they did, about 120 of them. They went together and began to be obedient. They stepped out in faith together. They prayed without ceasing together. They studied God's word together. And they sought God's will together. And there in the first chapter of the book of the Bible that describes what the church is supposed to be about, what it's supposed to look like, we find this important truth. We are better together. The church is always better together. My wife and I are in our 26th year of marriage. And in some ways, we are opposites. In some ways, we are very different. There are some things that one of us likes that the other doesn't like. There are some views that one of us have that the other doesn't have. But let me just give you a little clue. If we focus on those things that are not primary in our relationship, things would not be very happy at the home of the Purvis Pack. But we don't focus on those minor things we're different on. We focus on the primary things we agree about. And that's what the church should be. We shouldn't get sidetracked by secondary and tertiary things that divide us. We should come together just as this church was doing together. And they were still together. Now in verse 1, it tells us something else. They were together and a special day occurred. What day was it? It was the day of Pentecost, and perhaps you're not real familiar with the day of Pentecost. In fact, this is not something that was just new for Christ followers. Pentecost was a Jewish celebration. It simply means 50, the word Pentecost. And so what it was was 50 days after the Passover. Think about that. Jesus celebrated Passover with his disciples. Then in his last week, we saw him crucified buried and rise again. And then he spent 40 days with his disciples before he ascended into heaven. So the Pentecost celebration took place 50 days after the Passover festival or the Passover feast. It was also called the feast or the festival of the weeks because of the number of weeks that it was after the Passover. And so here they were Worshiping together, and you see another principle that is very important to hold on to today. God regularly does powerful things when his people come together to worship him. So I'm going to pause one more time today and ask God to do that here. Father, in the name of Jesus... We ask you to move mightily for your glory. Give us what we don't have. Teach us what we don't know. 
Make us what we've not yet become for your glory. Use these moments for your purpose. And do that in a powerful way, we pray. Lord, let the words I say and even my thoughts in these few minutes we have together be pleasing to you. And God, I pray that just as we've celebrated birth, that at the end of our time together, we might experience new birth because someone began a relationship with you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse 2. Acts 2, verse 2. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting You know what that reminds me of? God always does what he promises to do. Sometimes it doesn't look like we think it should look. Sometimes it doesn't happen when we think it should happen. Sometimes we don't experience all that we want to experience. But God always does what he promises he will do. He always keeps his word. Look at verse 3. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. How many were filled? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, Belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Do you see what was happening? In these first moments, suddenly, God begins to demonstrate that he's capable of accomplishing his plan. This is not a message on the speaking of tongues, but I want you to understand clearly what the Bible says took place in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit of God fell, all of those who were followers of Christ experienced and received the Holy Spirit of God. Now let me just tell you, as you're going to hear Peter preach in just a moment, the Bible teaches us that that's still true today. Everyone who follows Christ receives the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God is not a bonus prize just for those who are living a certain kind of life or do a certain set of spiritual things. The Holy Spirit of God is a gift to everyone who follows Christ. And in this case, when the Holy Spirit of God began to fall, an amazing thing began to happen. The disciples, now called the apostles who were gathered there, began to speak. But as they spoke, people began to hear what they were saying in their own language. 
And as God would have it, there were people from all over the known world. Modern-day Turkey and modern-day Iraq, modern-day Egypt, Europe, Asia, Central Asia, Middle East. All these different people began to hear in their own tongue. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Why did God choose this to reveal the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm glad you've asked. I think he did this because he was showing us that he is capable of accomplishing his plan. Two questions. Does God have a plan? Do we know God's plan? How do we know God's plan? He told us. Yes, he has a plan. Yes, we know it. And we know it because he told us. Look at Acts 1.8. Here's his plan. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God's plan is to see his people be his witnesses to everybody. That's why as a church, we say our mission is very simple. We want to do whatever it takes wherever we are to shine with the light and love of Jesus, just like a city on a hill. That's what we do because that's God's plan. But in this moment, you know what what God did? He had people gathered from Jerusalem, from Judea, from Samaria, from the ends of the earth. And he made sure that we understood he could accomplish his plan in an instant if he wanted to. Everybody just snap your fingers right quick. That's how long it would take God to accomplish this if he wanted just to do it that way. He could write it in the sky. He could have just everybody at any moment just hear the gospel and let them choose. Am I going to accept or reject? But his plan is that we become his witnesses. He doesn't have a plan B. His plan is that imperfect people gather together, then scatter together, and we share his perfect purpose, telling the good news of the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. So look what happens in verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And that's a fair question, right? Some people were very intelligent. They probably spoke multiple languages, and they recognized, wait a second. Nothing like this has ever happened before. What does this mean? But others mocking said, oh, they're filled with new wine. What were they saying? They're drunk. They're crazy. Hey, it's a reminder. Not everyone responds to the gospel in the same way. So for the last two weeks, I've told you to be thinking about your one. Remember, who's your one? Who's that person God's put in your little corner of the world who still needs the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Maybe a family member or a coworker, maybe a neighbor or, or someone in your class that needs the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. How many of you live long enough to know I, I've seen people I care about 
hear the good news of Jesus and, and not respond. Has anybody seen that? Not everybody responds in the, in the same way. And so some here were amazed and we're going to begin to see what happens. Others just thought they were drunk. It's not our job to determine the response of other people. It's, it's our job to live as if we've been chained. And that's the first thing I want you to get today. We must live our lives as if we've lost our marbles. We must live our life as if we've lost our marbles. You've heard that phrase before. You've lost your marbles. You're cuckoo, you're, you're, you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I mean, you're You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. That's what they were saying about the apostles. You guys have gone crazy. When the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, the apostles began speaking the native languages of those presents, and they thought, you've lost your marbles. Let me tell you something. When an individual begins a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and then thus are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, our lives should be so different from the world around us that people begin to say, you've lost your marbles. Let me illustrate this. They should look at your priorities and say, you're doing things on Sunday we don't do. You've lost your marbles. They should look at your finances and say, "Uh, you give to things we don't give to. You've lost your marbles. They should look at your relationships and say, you... You show grace and forgiveness to people I would never forgive. You're kind when everybody else is rude and unkind. You've lost your marbles. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're changed. Our lives look different. If your life doesn't look different, you should at least ask the question, have I been changed? I ask you today, examine that. Hold up the word of God and ask if you've been changed. Christian life is countercultural. When you commit to living the Christ life, you should look different. And some will think you've lost your marbles. But there's a second truth. When we do that, when we live differently, we must live to clarify the confusion of life. Now, what you're about to hear is the first sermon of the Christian church. How many of you here think you've heard a hundred sermons in your lifetime? Let me see your hands. How many of you think you've heard a thousand sermons in your lifetime? Let me see your hands. If you heard one at church every week of the year, that'd be 52 a year. So it'd take a while to get to a thousand, but some of you've heard a lot of sermon. Some of them have been good. Some of them have been not so good, right? Now, I mentioned on Easter, I've even preached some of those that are not so good. I heard about this preacher. He stood up at the end of the message and he said, hey, immediately following our service, there will be a meeting of the board. And so he went into the room where that meeting was to take place and he noticed a first-time visitor walked into the room. And so before we began the meeting, he said, sir, I think there's been some confusion. This is actually a meeting of the board. He said, no, I'm not confused. If there was anybody in that service more bored than me, I want to meet them. Or like the little girl, she was just squirming in her seat and she kept poking on her mom and kept whispering in her ear. She just wanted to get out of there. And finally she said, mom, if we give him the money now, do you think he'll let us go? I mean, sometimes that's the way you are in church. Not this day, not this message. This was the most captivating, most serious first message of the Christian church. Look at what it says in verse 14. But Peter 
standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in those last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes in the great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hey, I want you to notice something first. The Holy Spirit of God always gives us boldness. Who is preaching this message? The first message of the Christian church. You remember Pete? It was just a few weeks ago. He couldn't stand up to a little girl. And now before thousands, he's standing up. And he begins to give clarity. What does he say? Why am I saying he's giving clarity? Because he says, hey, listen up. These guys aren't drunk. And if you really look at what he's saying, he's saying it's just 9 o'clock in the morning. They haven't even had their second cup of coffee. They're not drunk. They're fulfilling the Scriptures. And, but in this, we can learn some ways. To, how do we live to help clarify confusion? Do you think the world is confused? Holy smokes. We lived in confusing times. How do you live to clarify confusion? First, listen carefully and promote careful listening. So Peter begins by saying, hey, all you who gather here, now that you can hear me, now that we've got your, your attention, listen up. Give me your ears. I wonder how the world would be a different place if we all listened a little more. God gave us two ears, just one mouth. We should at least listen twice as much as we talk. He's saying, listen up, listen to those. We don't listen to each other. We talk over one another and past one another. Just turn on the news. Ask God to open your ears, to open your eyes, to open your heart, to open your mind to what he would have said. Listen, and then tell the truth and promote truth-telling. What if we just lived with the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the... What if you just made a determination this week, I'm just going to live in the truth. I'm just going to live according to the ways and the word of Jesus. And Peter stands up and he says, hey, these guys aren't drunk. They're fulfilling the scriptures. That is the truth. And that leads us to the third thing. Just stay scripturally grounded. Live your life staying scripturally grounded. Peter quotes three passages. I don't know if he had notes or if he was just doing that from memory. But he quotes from Joel chapter 2, Psalms chapter 16, and Psalm chapter 110. And he's letting them know that what you're experiencing today is taking place in light of the word of God. If you were asked to clarify confusion in this world, if somebody comes up to you and asks a question they ask, what does this mean? Would you be able to open God's word and point to scriptures and verses that describe what's taking place? That's why the Bible says study to show yourself approved. That's why Paul would say to young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They'll turn away from listening to the truth 
and wander off into myths. Guess what? We're living in those days. It, it may not be popular to open God's word and say, what does this say about the confusion of the world? But if you're a Christ follower, learn to listen to the questions that are being asked. Learn to always speak the truth in love, as Scripture says, but then always come back to the Word, the Bible. Why is that so important? Because what you say may or may not be true and may or may not have impact. But listen to what the Bible says about itself. Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed for the thing which I sent it. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.